0: Disclaimer. This episode may contain triggering content on the topic of suicide. We realize that this is a serious subject, but for the sake of this conversation, we will be discussing the matter from a philosophical perspective. Please keep this in mind if you choose to listen to this episode. We do not advocate for suicide. If you believe you are in an unstable state of mind, do not listen to this episode. You can always listen some other time. If you are dealing with suicidal thoughts, call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. That all being said, on with the episode. What is nihilism, and why do people subscribe to it? Why does suicide seem rational for some people? And ultimately, what is the meaning of life? Today, we're going to go deep and answer life's deepest questions.
1: Hey, I'm Bailey. I'm Michael, and I'm David.
0: And welcome back to the Face in the Gates podcast. We got to we got to clap. This is the big 50. We've made this is the 50th episode. So, we have made it quite a ways. We've started this show a little over a year ago, made consistent weekly episodes for the better part of a year until we didn't. But, um Yeah, it was pretty sick. So um, I think it's been it's been a good time thus far, but it's also I felt like uh, it was fitting to make a very important announcement um, on this 50th episode dealing with the topic of nihilism and suicide and the meaning of life as well, Uh, that we would announce something that may be a little bit disappointing to some people, but we have our reasons, uh, and that is. This show
2: will die soon dun, dun, dun. yeah, so um, to back up
0: uh basically, facing the gates was never meant to be a podcast that goes on forever and ever and ever.
3: Joe um, rogan
0: right, right, so it's just not the format of the show is not built to go on forever. Uh, I mean, our conversations of these kinds of topics that will probably go on and on. But uh, as far as the point of the show goes, um, we're going to be doing one other full length series. And that's the politics series that we've been alluding to. um, And that'll be starting in a few episodes episodes from now. Um, And then after that, we're going to wrap up and do a couple of episodes kind of concluding the series um, so there will be uh in between like sixty and sixty five episodes some of them are still kind of tentative at the moment um, but we just wanted to kind of let you guys know so you're not shell shocked or too surprised when uh when we do our final series and we're like all right this is the last one so anyway uh I don't know if you guys had anything you wanted to say on that before i we get into the content
1: uh well. I think the biggest thing is this is kind of capturing a moment in time where we're all learning new ideas and philosophies and moving on to the next chapter of our life. And so it's very fitting that the show would have an end because we can go forever in the environment that we are, or we can close the book and move to the next chapter. And that's essentially what we're doing once we finish
2: the last series and a couple episodes. Yeah. You got anything, David? Any wise sage words from the Filthy
1: Atheist? So long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, uh, we, we'll we talk more about this in depth later. Um, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there so it's not a, a shock to anyone when the show is dead. Um, but yeah, like Michael said, you know, it it's just kind of... This is a, a stage in our lives um, where we are having these conversations and um, we're not always going to be in this exact stage where we're asking these exact questions. It's, it's like you said, it's a snapshot in a period of time of our lives that we've documented. And when it's done, we move on to the next thing, which whatever that may be, I don't know, we'll figure it out and we'll talk about it later. But anyway, that was uh, I'm, I'm done with that now done rambling about that we're going to talk about nihilism and suicide and the meaning of life because they're all actually really connected topics I think hopefully that'll make more sense as the episode unfolds now uh, before I get into this though again I wanted to reiterate the disclaimer at the beginning If you don't feel comfortable with the discussion of suicide from a philosophical perspective, do not listen to this episode. Uh, The reason I say this is because I've listened to a podcast episode that discusses suicide, quite frankly, from a philosophical perspective, and I found it very offensive and cold and unempathetic. Um, And if I were in a not healthy state of mind listening to that episode... Um, I don't know you know what could have happened so this is not my intention and hopefully it doesn't come off that way but entertaining suicidality for the purpose of analyzing it philosophically um, it may seem like I'm being sympathetic towards the act of suicide I'm not I do not believe suicide is a good choice for anyone to make but we'll get into that later in the episode um for now let's talk about nihilism i just kind of wanted to you know get that out uh, out and um you know say like we do have to address this topic and and discuss it and in in a different way i guess so anyway now that i've bored everyone with my million Disclaimers. Um, we're gonna talk about nihilism now, finally. David's favorite topic.
1: Ooh. Everything is <laughs> meaningless. Death and
0: despair. So uh what is nihilism? According to Oxford languages, it is quote, the rejection of all religious and moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless, end quote. Now, that is the definition of nihilism according to Oxford languages. I want to go ahead and open it up to discussion. Do you agree with that definition? And hopefully you do because it comes from Oxford. But if you don't, um, kind of explain your thinking on like what you believe nihilism to be.
1: In the theological sense, I fully agree with it. But also, on another hand, I do see religious ideologies that are very nihilistic in nature like predestination fatalism things like that where that takes the human out of the equation and it's all just down a path so what's the point of changing the path but in a theological sense I do agree with the definition but it I feel it can be a little more nuanced than that sometimes
0: yeah, and we'll obviously flesh it out more as we yeah. go on. Uh, what about you, David?
1: Yeah, pretty much agree. I mean, nihil means nothing.
2: Nihilism is basically belief of nothing whatsoever. Right. All
0: right, well, <clears throat> time to piss off, David. Uh, so, <laughs> so I I believe that atheism properly defined as the belief that God does not exist, logically leads to nihilism, because if God does not exist, objective morality goes out the window, alongside the theory of inalienable rights, uh, which see our upcoming episode on the purpose of government laws and rights here in a few weeks for more on that, Um, and the meaning of life becomes entirely subjective and therefore absurd. Given these facts, we can clearly see that nihilism is just a fully grown form of atheism. Now, I'll let you rebut me, David.
1: Yeah. And then to counter that, that's why I take a very kind of existentialist approach with stuff. Because, yes, life is absurd. The idea that we're here right now doing this in the grand scheme of things is really weird really absurd just being able to think being able to talk and you know there's as i said in my episode it was there's a beauty to that kind of like the watchmaker where each little thing working in tandem has created something right so So, i see the main problem is just the lack with the lack of belief, it isn't necessarily something you don't have something to live for. You don't really have something to die for. You don't have that kind of.
0: Well, I think, I think in the devoid of meaning in a worldview devoid of meaning, if you have no purpose to live, you have no purpose to die. I mean, everything becomes meaningless and absurd. So, I mean, you can obviously see
1: where that leads to.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And some mindsets I do. But just like with an animal, they technically don't have no purpose besides their fundamental kind of animal instincts, and they still right. go on.
0: Yeah, yeah, but... So, go ahead.
1: I also, in David's case, and this is something that I think we've touched on before, he isn't a 100% atheist. It's just that's who he is right now, but there's still the opportunity for growth. The way he's kind of in between the stout atheist, which is like there's no way anything has any meaning, no way there's a God, but in conversations with him, he still leaves a crack in that gate for something right. to possibly come through. So I think that's possibly where his mindset can come from. And right. I'd align him more with more of an slightly agnostic agnostic atheist atheist. yeah yeah, which we've had discussions on this before
0: right so uh just to kind of back up with one of the things you said earlier david uh to kind of counter full-on nihilism you you prefer to go to other sort of philosophical perspectives um Kind of walk me through your thought process on that, because obviously, like we you and I know, like intellectually, like nihilism is something you want to avoid accepting. Right. And naturally, most people would, because that's kind of a very terrifying place to be. Um, how does it make it more plausible that your other philosophical perspective is correct as opposed to nihilism specifically?
1: I mean, in the end, who knows? because philosophy is trying to answer to deep, never-ending questions, but it's just what kind of, in my mind, I kind of subscribe to, and it makes more sense instead of like, oh yeah, death, like nothing matters,
2: deaf and despair It's like, oh, this shit's weird. I, it's fascinating. Why would I want to die? So let's keep this weird little experiment. Yeah. I guess, I guess, kind of
0: what I'm getting at is like, is that ad hoc to just say, I don't like the conclusions of this belief system, therefore I don't believe it? So I'm dodging and going to some other thing that is a little more comfortable to think about. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. I'm not sure myself. Because I kind of see it as
1: kind of how my brain works and taking something more negative and shifting my perspective in a way that kind of benefits positively. So I'm not sure if it's just a denial
2: or say like finding a different denomination (laughs) to put it in in certain words.
1: Kind of hard to describe. Because, you know, yeah. it's those big, deep questions that sit in your brain and just linger. Yeah, okay. in, a, in a sense, we all, for lack of better terms, do that as a mechanism of coping, whether it's through religious beliefs or some people believe are reincarnated. It's to avoid the scary fact that we all are mortal and we all, our existence on this plane will cease to be one day right and that's I think for all of us that's that can be a very terrifying thing to have to seriously think about
0: yeah well I think for the sake of this show at least some of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes is like it's very like how do we know this is a true how do we know what is true and and good and and Obviously, you have your emotional reasons for believing what you believe. But at the same time, you know, I would like to be grounded in what is actually true as well. So, I mean, you know, yes, it may be beneficial to think that uh, life does not end after death. Uh, That may be fitting and comforting to me. But at the same time, I believe that not because it's not solely because it's comforting, but also because I believe that it's actually true. And I think those are two different things than just kind of trying to pick the least terrible thing to believe. Yeah, I'd say
1: that. Go ahead. Real quick. I'd say in your case, that is, but in a lot of nominal religious people who are either culturally religious or you know on the cusp for Mm -hmm. them that is more than likely a more accurate depiction of why they chose instead of true belief they do it as a comforting mechanism
0: right okay so I guess it wouldn't entirely be just to kind of circle back to what we were talking about with David. It's not entirely indicative to say that all atheists are really just junior nihilists. I, I think intellectually that's where it leads. Um, Like if you follow the train of thought that ultimately it does lead to nihilism, but you know, there's other roads you could take as an atheist to not end up necessarily in the nihilistic camp. I think there are, uh, I, I still think they're a little ad hoc, but we'll get into that a little bit more yeah. in a minute. Um,
1: and I mean, they're uh, go ahead that also the
2: kind of add to that, especially uh, up until maybe in the middle
1: or after World War One from like 1860, I know there was like a Russian group that basically became a revolutionary movement that were strictly nihilist no god no government and that came out the distaste of how russia was being ran and the kind of origins of nihilism as a kind of group lifestyle etc
2: yeah um so moving on a little bit here
0: um why would someone be a nihilist, you know, because like there are some people out there who are just like super full on accepting of nihilism and that in and of itself is absurd. But, you know, I think to answer that question, we would have to ask a more fundamental one, which is why be an atheist? Because if we grant that nihilism is just the logical evolution of atheism then the reality is that there are nihilists because there are also atheists that exist. Uh I, I think, and but to be fair, like Michael said, there are other worldviews that aren't necessarily just atheistic, that do kind of have nihilistic tendencies. Um so the reason that nihilists exist is because it, it the seeds of nihilism are within other worldviews. So I don't, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to say on that before I continue.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of the seeds of nihilism that are put into other worldviews comes from the human condition for a large part because it's easy to feel in a worldview that you're just a little ant just crawling along and nobody will ever see or notice if you're here or not. And mm-hmm. especially when you look at the main story, the I want to say, I can't remember if it's Roman or Greek, The which creates the two schools of thought in nihilism, the
2: pessimistic and the optimistic nihilist, that my brain's buffering right this second, <laughs> that
1: in those schools of thought.
0: We're actually going to go into that here in a minute.
1: Okay. Well, then. Cool. I'll wait to touch on that In the two different okay. schools of thoughts. But it's very easy to get so caught up in the grand level of everything. The cosmos, yeah. the galaxy, even the city you're in. It's easy to feel like you're a moving part. But if you're taken out of the gear, nothing's going to change. And that's true for, I think, any human. We've all had that idea and that feeling. Yeah. Or like, say, you're having issues with the church you've grown up in, you're noticing things aren't what they appear to be. And some people take that into, oh, well, they're lying. Everything's meaningless because humans being humans are going to do terrible things. And... just kind
0: of go off the deep end because of circumstances in life. Yeah. Okay. But again, As we
1: know, there's... We probably know quite a few people that left the church and then just went the Debbie Downer route, I guess you could say. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing is real. Everything sucks. And all that. Let me
0: give a quick evaluation of nihilism from my perspective, and then we'll go into the the two kind of different schools of thought of nihilism. Um, So nihilism as a worldview is vacant and void of purpose. It proves nothing. It stands for nothing. It explains nothing. It is acceptance of life as absurdity. In my eyes, nihilism itself is meaningless. Because it's uh, it's basically the definition, the, the conclusions you come to from accepting nihilism is that everything is meaningless and absurd, but that itself is an absurdity. Why would you believe something is that everything is absurd? Why would you believe that that? Thought itself is absurd anyway, that got very meta i don't I might have like made you think blow up your brain a little bit, but I don't know if you have thoughts on
2: that before we go on to the the two roads. I don't really have anything to add to that
1: <laughs> it, the uh it feels like the snake eating itself, creating a singularity, yes, kind Look at David's big words.
0: That's a really good. That's a good uh, illustration of it. Okay, so typically people who accept nihilism go down one of two roads. There's the optimistic or positive nihilism, and then pessimistic nihilism, or as I like to refer to them, absurdity and actual nihilism. Uh, So to illustrate these two views, and I think we've used this example earlier in a previous episode. um, Think of Rick and uh, Jerry and Rick from Rick and Morty. Jerry doesn't believe in God and subscribes to nihilism, but he tries to make the most out of his life regardless. He always does his best, has a positive attitude, and emphatically attempts to create meaning in life, and thereby making meaning in life subjective. Jerry ultimately is an optimist. Meanwhile, Rick does not believe, um, he also doesn't believe in God and subscribes to nihilism, but he is constantly reckless and makes careless, selfish decisions, rick ultimately is a pessimist so as i joked earlier um optimistic nihilism isn't really nihilism it's acceptance of absurdity if nihilism is the belief that life is absurd and there is no objective meaning or purpose then the supposed optimistic nihilism is an oxymoron it is completely philosophically bankrupt and has no rational grounding or reason to induce positive behavior That behavior itself is absurd if nihilism is true. So the concept of good behavior is completely arbitrary and meaningless to an actual nihilist. A true nihilist, from my perspective, would be a completely hedonistic person living for nothing but themselves and stopping at nothing to get whatever they want. A nihilist is living out their ideology. Uh, A nihilist living out their ideology accurately is a menace to society. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox now.
2: And what do you think? What do you think? Well, the example of the story essentially is either
1: both schools of thoughts of nihilism are both living their life
2: as they see fit to the best of their ability. Because and a lot of religions
1: will buy into this part, essentially what we do here on this earth in the grand scheme of things has little to no meaning because we are here for just a fragment of time. Just Mm -hmm. one small minute point on the grand scale. And when you look at any major religion and look at the afterlife, that's the goal. What we do here is either a way to get there or a a waiting room. Life essentially is a waiting room in a lot of ideologies. And what we do here has little effect on what happens after for a, a lot of beliefs. And both, let's say Jerry and Rick, are obviously two sides of the same coin. When I look at it from a deeper thought, What they do here once they're gone has no meaning. There's nothing that will make them not forgotten in 10, 15, 20 years. They both will be forgotten. They both will essentially have all their life's work amount to nothing once the earth decays
2: and we're all gone. And it's a very dark mind view, either way. But I do see some merit on how uh,
1: someone who would go into the ideology that nothing on this earth matters,
2: but if they want to follow what is best for themselves or society, I do see some merit behind that. Even though I don't personally buy into that. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah. Because okay, so there's... Go ahead. Let's say you're working at a store. Mm-hmm. If you're gone, the store is still going to run. If you're there, the store is still going to run. But you decide to do the be-, be the best at your job even though you could be gone and everything would still run. But once you're taken out, it doesn't matter anyway. Or you could be the employee who hides in the back. Eating some McDonald's. And not doing your job. So there's two
0: things I want to say here. Um, Number one, when you're kind of talking about. Um, how certain religious perspectives kind of see this world as like a a means to an end to get to heaven or as like a waiting room i think in many ways you have described a lot of unfortunately the way a lot of christian denominations function today Um, i think they're missing a lot of the point there if i were to kind of speak inside to that i would say like the idea that you continue living on after you die is not just like you know, everything's made perfect when you die, it's like you continue your life, you continue becoming who you were already, you who you had already begun becoming in your life. And so, that's that's one of the things that I'm kind of picking up on in the Orthodox Church that I'm going to is just kind of you know, your life is what you make it, and and that does seem a little bit moralist in some senses, but you know, uh, C.S. Lewis kind of talks about this in in The Great Divorce that, you know, ultimately if, you know, I think I quoted this in a previous episode. I don't remember the exact quote off the top of my head, but basically you are what you become. And you know you can continue to grow and become a better person and have virtue and and do these kinds of things and and grow in that direction or you can constantly be an angry bitter person and you know devolve yourself and so like you are kind of every day shaping who you're going to become for the future and not just you know in this life but also in the next life and so that's why this life is so important because you don't want to form yourself into someone who will become demonized in millennia because of who you become in this life, because you're setting your trajectory in this life. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say um, is you said that there was merit in someone who tries, who accepts nihilism, but is, um tries to be a good person still. So, I, I agree with you that there is merit to being a good person. Obviously, it's a good thing to be a good person. But I think on the grounds of what, if we're to take nihilism seriously and accept nihilism for what it is, I think it's living inconsistently with what nihilism is. Because there's no reason to do good under nihilism.
1: Yeah, I Yeah, but that's... there's also equally no reason to do bad.
2: There's no reason to do anything and nihilism. Well, I mean, if it's the void of religious and why? That's why why I I
0: say you should be a hedonist if you're a nihilist, because if there's no point, then you might, because you might as well do what you enjoy, because whatever, whatever is actually objectively good
2: doesn't matter. Because it's absurd. So you might as well do what you think matters to you. Yeah. And
1: for some people, that would be helping others, and some people would be sex, drugs, and rock and roll. (laughs) It's all... Yeah.
2: And I think both schools
1: are equally absurd. Both schools of thought are equally absurd.
2: Yeah, and like as we have discussed
1: with morals and stuff, it's kind of hard to have someone prescribe to nihilism because of, say, their family kind of moral culture, their society's moral culture, and most people prescribe to that not even thinking about it. So Mm
3: -hmm.
1: even if they think, oh, I'm a nihilist, but
2: I still believe in helping others, they're not really nihilist. They're just... They're not living consistently
0: with their nihilism. Yeah, Yeah. so...
1: So that's where I think a lot of us
0: are in society today, where there's a lot of nihilism just in like just in general in America, we take for granted a lot of the assumptions that we hold that come from a Judeo-Christian perspective. And we want to apply them to things that are not Judeo-Christian perspectives at all. And we just forget that we're taking the premises from another worldview We'll talk about this more when we get into the politics stuff, but yeah, that's one I'm, thing I'm realizing a lot with a lot of things is we're, we're hijacking a Christian worldview and applying it to something that's not at all a Christian worldview.
1: Yeah. yeah. And also, one last thing, most people who are self-proclaimed nihilists aren't. They're just rebelling against the norms because they feel they have been wronged or that that is their job to do the absolute Worse shit. Being edgy. Being edgy. <laughs> that yeah. is the the key to modern day nihilism is well, being I an mean, edgy dickhead. A, nihilism is a has been in kind of Western philosophical thoughts for a long while and has been more relevant
2: since the fifties and sixties and keeps rising. Because we yeah, have but- so- But most of those people,
1: uh, (laughs) because throughout life, it's like, oh, well, most people don't think of this stuff. Oh, yeah. I kind of feel dull inside.
2: Nothing has meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And for a lot of them to. There
1: is a purpose behind what they're doing. It may not be a positive purpose, but there is purpose. And if nothing means anything, so why do anything? There would there would be more of a self-righteous purpose to do those things instead of a rebelling against society and feeling you have been
2: wronged. At least the way I have studied and looked at nihilism. It's mm-hmm. more of, to me,
1: a true modern nihilist would be the person who just wakes up Goes to their job, come home, sleeps, and repeats that because that's what they have to do to survive. But most of the nihilists are actively choosing to do something either reprehensible to
2: modern moral code due to their prejudgments on things they felt have wronged them.
1: Because most of the nihilists... That I modern ni- nihilist I've met
2: have formerly came from like a religious background, and especially in our area, the Bible Belt,
1: a lot of those are very fire and brimstone disciplines and uh, denominations that they come from,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so it's more of an act of rebellion than a true belief. Yeah, so it's it's hard for me to
1: say I've met a true nihilist. Yeah, right? I guess. As you could say himself as a nihilist.
2: You could say a true nihilist would be like a sa- a dehumanized salary man, a rock. Pretty much.: All right, well.
0: I've got one more thing here on on the nihilism thing, and then we're going to kind of segue to the next part of this. Um, So, and this kind of ties in with the meaning of life as well. Uh, Subjective meaning in life is absurd. If your meaning in life is only important to you, then why should it matter to me? The answer is it doesn't, if that meaning is subjective. Meaning in life is, in that view, by definition, arbitrary. Outside of your own existence, there is no greater objective purpose in life, which makes existence completely absurd. This is the nihilistic dilemma, which is no wonder why no why people are desperate to find a purpose in life. All right, so I'll let you give your thoughts on that little thing there.
1: Yeah, I think that's when people ask, what's the meaning of life? always give very different answers there's to find love subjective answers yes and that's why no one can agree on the meaning of life because when I look at as an agnostic theist even believing that we were created can be an absurd thought
2: why would a all-knowing, all-powerful being go, yep, that's Earth. Humans, crazy, animals, trees, birds,
1: light.
0: I don't think it's entirely absurd. I think you can can only know parts of the answers to those questions, but I don't think that makes it absurd.
1: But from our grasp, because we don't know the answers, it can be seen as absurd to a lot of people. And okay. I mean, look at where we are now technologically, philosophically, as a world. We send electrons through wire, and through that we are all communicating and recording. We're communicating with sand, electrified sand. Yeah, kind pretty of. Epic. And so, kind of absurd in
2: thought. I but
1: think it's the, happening. The biggest issue is when we ask the question, what is the meaning of life? I don't think that's, we're always going to give a subjective answer. And I don't you believe. Mean
0: you said you think we will always give a subjective answer? Is that what you mean to say? Or that you don't think we'll give a subjective answer? I was just clarifying.
1: I think we will. Okay, But that's because I don't believe we as mortals
2: on this plane will ever be able to pinpoint, like, that's it. I think that is Mm -hmm. more of a, the next part of life, life after life.
1: So whether that is in the Judeo-Christian worldview, heaven,
2: or... If you're in one of those very downer atheist, the void, which Mm, in and of itself is meaningless. So I don't, I don't think we will ever be able to answer that question properly.
0: We we will, we will definitely come back to that because, um, that was more so just relating to nihilism, meaning of life in relation to nihilism.
1: I might have got on my soapbox oh. a little bit there. It's
0: okay. We all get on our soapboxes on the show. Um, so if nihilism is true, then suicide becomes a relevant philosophical question. Now, before we get into this, let's take a moment to back up here. Um, Christianity would no doubt view source suicide as immoral because suicide is mor- murder of the highest order, which is murder of the self. It is blasphemous to disrespect the gift of life given to you by God also according to Christianity objectivity and moral facts are assumed therefore life has an objective purpose which we'll more on this later uh, so under Christianity the question of suicide is absurd because life has because life has a purpose and to commit suicide generally demonstrates a lack of care for said purpose um, I also want to make this disclaimer I do not believe that suicide is an unforgivable sin. Only God knows an individual's situation, so I do not claim to know what the eternal destination is of someone who has killed themselves. I do believe, however, that suicide is a sin and in principle should be discouraged. Um, Back to the nihilist view now. Generally speaking, suicide has been deemed immoral and looked down upon, even in absence of a formal judeo-christian ethic it is viewed as a bad thing if someone kills themselves but if morality is thrown out the window and life is truly absurd i.e you accept nihilism the question is suddenly put on the table why not kill yourself i'm not saying kill yourself obviously uh i'm just saying given these set of assumptions that morals don't matter and life is meaningless. Suicide becomes a genuine question. That is where I wanted to go with this specific train of thought, talking about kind of how nihilism ultimately can lead to suicide, suicidal thoughts. Go ahead and discuss your thoughts about about that part.
2: Yeah, true, again, true nihilism can... But also it could, if you are of the, let's say, hedonistic mindset of nihilism, why? Do all the awful things. Go smoke crack. Go rob a <laughs> store. Yeah, and I mean, go have an that, orgy.
1: At that point, why? it becomes also, why, why, why kill yourself? It's absurd. An absurd act exactly. that goes against the natural instincts of the body.
0: Yeah, it is absurd, but I think guess I guess what I'm getting at is, um, in the absence of objective morality, it becomes a question.
3: It does. Whereas before, yeah.
0: when there is objective morality, you have an answer. The answer is it is immoral, therefore you shouldn't do it, among other reasons. But when when you take those away, then it becomes a question, and then you see how you can go ahead and start applying this to our world today where a lot of people are losing traditional religious values and belief and objective morality and suicide is rising. I don't think that's entirely a hunch to say that there's a correlation there.
1: I mean, yeah, at least in my think It also falls into just a multifaceted question with kind of society. We're splitting. People are dropping out Um, and it's a, instead of just say nihilism, nihilism may add to it and through experiences of saying like, Oh, your friend group separated. All you do is work. Just factors that are kind of modifying our human condition is leading to nihilistic thoughts, depression, suicide, because I think our natural instinct is to survive. Survive, drive, and whatnot. So I think it's not just, say, nihilism,
2: but kind of how society at large is. Because. in that. Because as we discussed, there's not really tr- true nihilist.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because everyone has their own. Oh, well. I do this for my mom. I love for her and whatnot. Yeah. But I
1: think, but especially with, say, depression, if one person's severely depressed, then, yeah, nihilistic thoughts are kind of common because you just feel numb and a big old void. Yeah. Right, but also, ahead, also, in a lot of uh, theistic circles, a lot of people do still commit suicide. Even with that moral objection to it. I mean recently
2: I've lost two people that I have known. Both were theistic in nature and one from what I have gathered viewed that as a means to an
1: end of sorts. To go be with a family member they had lost. To cross the plane because the
2: Earth is immoral and life is going downhill. And that person was a very strong Christian from my
1: interactions and getting to know that person through the interactions I had. That person was always very strong in their belief, very strong in their belief of Jesus, of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. and I'm not sure of the denomination they had taken later in life, but I know
2: they were a devout Catholic and they will be put to rest in a Catholic mass.
1: And so I I agree with David, it's a very multifaceted
2: thing. I think the biggest thing is the world as a whole. Kind of mm-hmm. adding and
1: putting those thoughts because we do live in a very imperfect world. And we d- some people have chemical imbalances in their heads
2: that don't make them all there. I'll let you guys catch in because okay. my train of thought just went <laughs> totally left and ran out.
0: It's okay. Yeah, no, I, I, and I I don't mean to say that like this is absolutely the one thing that's the reason why people are just jumping off bridges and shit. Like, you're you're just saying it's not
1: helping. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Obviously, there are
0: more than one reason why people are, people choose to do that. But it is
2: a concerning trend. I'll put it that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, and also we are. Very
1: social creatures. We always have been. Always will be. That is the structure of the. Part of the human condition. Is we are very social. And it is a very concerning thing. To see that. Especially when. We've all had to kind of be more aware. And sometimes isolate. Over the past. Two. Going on three years. And. Yeah, and in the past 20 years having two once-in-a-lifetime economical events that go down. And just right. a bunch of stuff adds up. And for some people, I know some people see it like situations were, in it's kind of like society collapsing and get really, really in a deep rabbit hole of that kind of nihilistic idea they're still living their life, still helping out people. But in once they go home, have too much time to think the dots get rolling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also the tight back to religion. A lot of people feel betrayed almost. How could this happen?
2: And their belief isn't strong enough to weather the storm given
1: circumstances or we see these ridiculous preachers going, I'm going to blow it away. And that just doesn't work. That doesn't, you're trying to ask for divine intervention on an earthly matter. And granted, if you are a Christian, there have been moments of divine intervention, but
2: as I think we've discussed before, Just because you ask for it doesn't mean you're going to get it. And so,
1: for a lot of people, that leads them to a string of nihilistic thought because they go, Well, I've prayed and I've prayed and nothing's happened. I'm not strong enough in my beliefs to weather this storm and
2: accept that I'm not in control of everything. And, but also, I do see where. even without that religious strength, it has become a very concerning thing. I think, um,
0: just to touch on the Kenneth Copeland thing, because you brought it up. Um,
2: I think there, there are a lot of, um, people that think
0: that, that are very prideful and, themselves obviously and that pride can get the best of them and i think ultimately in that scenario this was case in point the prime example of pride coming to slap you in the face um because when you know he didn't blow COVID away um big shocker surprise I mean, surprise
1: to say if you did he'd be a hero but that's not how it fucking works
0: (laughs) but also you know and because i'm trying to begin to think a little bit more orthodox you can't just command a miracle and expect that it will happen you have to foster a relationship with god and thinking about, um, like, for example, the Lives of the Saints I've been reading. For example, there have been many of them who have performed miracles, many of them who have healed the sick, many of them who, after they have died, their bodies are incorruptible, and a number of other insane, miraculous things, many of which are even modern things that you can still see today. Um, So I, I didn't, you know, this is kind of a category that is like, in in the Protestant realm, like you, a lot of Protestants are cessationists, which means that they think that after the time of the, the Bible was canonized and that was closed, no more miracles happened, you know, so things have ceased. So I don't think that th- miracles cannot happen. I don't think it's impossible for divine intervention to happen. But I do think it is important to take into perspective the um the personal devotion of the individual in question whether or not they're trying to do it on stage as a showy thing or if they're actually devout and and like actually have their heart in the right place and actually know god that's that was whole like a side thing but that did make me think of that when you mentioned that
1: and one last thing i want to touch on regarding that as an agnostic who does believe in a higher power, God, whatever you want to call him. And you as a Christian, when we do have those conversations, sometimes we'll ask,
2: is this the right thing? Or I need some help. We're not expecting a hand to just
1: miraculously come down and say, yeah, man, that's the right decision. Or no, run the other way. It is very much for self-actualization and pondering and thinking as much as it is asking for guidance. We don't expect an answer, but we are bringing these up because that is the conversation and
2: relation you have. Right. You, You can't ask for miracles. I mean you can. But well you can, but you
1: can't <laughs> You can't predict you can't them. snap your finger and go like Miracle I need a yeah. miracle. You can't it, Amazon order a miracle. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and not to get too far off, but I do think that as you mentioned is a large issue and we've mentioned this previously,
2: in modern a uh, common Christian school of thought is asking and not receiving and then being disappointed or running away from your
1: beliefs because it isn't shown to you
2: right
0: okay well that was a nice little rabbit trail uh let's get back to the nihilism
1: and suicide stuff let's get back to the really depressing stuff
0: yeah so i want to kind of uh demonstrate the train of thought i think of where i'm going with with some of these uh just kind of just i don't know how to say what i'm saying basically the train of thought the train of logic is kind of nefarious and in my opinion uh demonic so if you go and if you start with an atheist that believes that there is no god and then they begin to ask existential questions about the universe and meaning of life and then without reference to god They ultimately determine that life is meaningless and accept nihilism. Well, once you've accepted nihilism, you've opened up the door to one of the darkest questions of all time. Why not suicide? At this point, all objections to suicide are meaningless and arbitrary as nihilism eradicates objectivity from worldview. So under nihilism, both the option to commit suicide and not to commit suicide are both equally absurd and meaningless. Of course, one could ask the question one could ask the question why ask any questions at all if nihilists strip objectivity and meaning away who cares what the truth is or what is good life is absurd and without meaning so asking the question of suicide is equally meaningless to which i would reply exactly the fact that anyone cares about this conversation at all is proof that we are hardwired for truth. And if nihilism were true, it is self-refuting because it says there is no meaning in life. So, what would make it? What would it matter if nihilism were true? It's clearly self-defeating and a philosophically bankrupt worldview.
2: All right. First thing I'm going to touch on is we are hardwired for truth, right? Right. I think. That's something
1: we're hardwired to search and to find and to learn. That's again a part of the human condition, in my eyes. From a wee little
2: tot all the way to the grave. That is what we're destined to search for. And for a lot of people, their truth would be in an ideology,
1: right? I think we can agree whether Christian, Islam, Jewish, you name it, that's going to be their truth. It might not. Michael. Yes.
0: I'm going to slander you because you keep saying their truth. And their truth implies subjective truth, which therefore isn't the truth.
1: What I mean by that.
0: (laughs) I know what you mean, but but people use that in a way that undermines the uh, undermines objectivity of truth. So I'm going to badger you about it until you stop saying it.
1: Well, the reason I say (laughs) it is if you ask
2: uh, someone who, like you, you, you're Christian. Right. The truth to you in your brain that you're hardwired is -hmm. Christianity, right?
1: Yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all that. Right. I guarantee you if I go to the Middle East and I ask... What is the truth
2: to, let's go on the far end of the spectrum here, an extremist, Mm -hmm. they're going to say Islam, right? Right. Right. And if I go
1: to India.
0: Yeah, I get where you're going with this. You're going to get different answers depending on who you
1: ask. So there's no no 100% answer in this realm. In I my think eyes. there is.
0: I think that because what you're what you're essentially saying is is pantheism. I think that's what it is. It's basically that all maybe maybe that's the wrong thing. No, I but think essentially pantheism it's that all is all religions all religions lead to the same ending that I they're see, all equally valid and all true. I don't Which, be- you don't believe that, but you say that you'll get different answers and that you can't know. And if you if you can't know, it you you cannot you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's it's one or the other. Either one religion is true and the rest of them are false, or they're all true. And we have already discussed how absurd that would be. But so essentially, what I'm getting at is to be more precise is to say what you believe is true is this, because that's not implying any anything on. The truth of the matter itself. You are saying this is what you believe. You're not saying that that's true or not. You're saying that's what they believe. To say that your truth is this, then you're saying that that is true to you, but not true to me.
2: But that's not what the word of truth means. You see what I mean?
1: Okay. I I do see what you mean. But essentially what I'm boiling down to here is...
0: I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be a grammar Nazi. It's just that that thing <laughs> that that was one of the things yeah. that we covered early on. And that is a cultural movement that is that is happening. That is, people don't believe in objective truth anymore. And you do, I think you're kind of confusing different things. I just want to make sure you're like you're clear on things.
1: It boils down to semantics,
2: essentially, is what that does. But. If say you believe Christianity is true, Mm -hmm. John believes
1: Islam is true. Right. Jessica believes whatever Hindi god she's worshiping to is true, or that all the Hindi gods are true. If we're hardwired for truth and all these people, their belief is this and this and this, how does that come to if we're hardwired for truth which i do believe but it's just a thought i'm having
0: right so like they they be, that doesn't that doesn't change their perception of the truth they believe that those things are true but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is true so there's a distinction to be made between what is true and what we believe to be true and so that's where you get into like apologetics and you you test things and you see what the fruit of these things are. And so that's, you know, that's a whole different conversation which religion is true. That's a different conversation. But obviously they can't all be true. They they still have the effect of truth on individuals because people believe them, but that that in and of of itself doesn't make them all true. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. I know, and I know I know that this is me like, I know it sounds like I'm I'm harping on this one point, but it's like these are because this this really these are two very clashing concepts and like you can't have both. So you have to like pick your side on these kinds of things.
1: Yeah, but
0: anyway, I know you're going to say something else and then we got on a rabbit trail. Sorry. Go ahead and say what you're going to say.
1: And with that, that we are all.
2: Searching for the truth. Right? We're hardwired for that. Yeah, okay. It is almost impossible for us to find the truth in this realm. Whether the truth for the meaning of life or many
1: other things. And I think
2: granted when you go into nihilism there is no truth there is nothing in true nihilism which therefore makes it very self-refuting because there is in my eyes with the human condition and searching for the truth searching for all that it does make it pure nihilism philosophically bankrupt So I do agree with you on that. But. I do believe that, again, as we said
1: earlier, there are seeds of nihilism in many schools of thought. Mm -hmm. So, David.
0: Yeah, you go ahead. Well, I guess the, the only thing I would say to what you just said is that you said you kind of don't know how you can tell which worldview is true in this life, and you don't think that we can. I disagree. I think we can come to know that. That's the only thing I would disagree on.
1: Okay, let me clarify that. What I meant as humanity as a singular whole. Right. I meant that more as a singular whole. At least, I don't... So,
0: like, you don't believe that everyone will accept the truth in this life. Whatever that truth may be
1: or will even be able to find it. Okay, because well, right well, now guess
0: what This is true. <laughs> this is this is like actually no not everyone will know. That
2: is you're right.
1: Yeah. And it it's it feels weird because we are wired to find truth and mm-hmm. to find meaning and all that. But in this realm not all of us will be able to find that. Which comes off very pessimistic.
2: <laughs> but it doesn't
1: have All to right. be, kids. Bef- right, before David, we get on and- the rabbit trail, David, David real quick, um, you're right about one definition of pantheism, but there's actually a be- pantheistic belief that like reality is identical with divinity, which is weird. That's awful.
0: I re- well, because I- there's pantheism and then there's panentheism. Those are different things. They yeah. sound very similar, but they're different.
1: Yeah. So just want to say you're technically right on that. And okay, cool. But other than that, it just reminded me of um, in my ethics course, even though we didn't dive into it, which it would be more interesting. The problem with philosophy in general is the practical side of it, uh, impl- using it in life versus just thinking about
2: it don't know why that y'all just talking and going to the rabbit trail popped up
0: yeah so i mean like there's obviously a, a a time and place for philosophy there's like your armchair philosophers where see people are just jerking off over stupid ideas and that don't actually matter and then there's actually stuff that does matter like moral philosophy and questioning like where these things come from because the implications of them are grand and vast and that's why we've dabbled into the more existential types of philosophy in this show because they have real world implications. So that's where, you know, the implications, the implications of philosophy is where the real interesting discussion lies. And that's kind of ironically where we are in the show now is getting into the implications of what you believe, you know. Yeah. Okay, you accept this. What does that mean for your life?
1: So I would possibly say all philosophy is that kind of armchair philosophy. It is a little self-related a lot of times, at least most ph- law philosophers think that way of themselves.
0: It is. And it can be, it's just the the real question is the practical implication. And a lot of people don't, you know, know how to apply practical implications of philosophical perspectives. Yeah. And that or, does kind of lead to be like, well, what's the point of even having this conversation? You know?
1: Well, also a lot of people have problem imp- Implementing theological things I yeah, mean, yeah, I think that's something all three of us can agree on because looking at your growth, you are working to implement these things and implement your lifestyle with your religious views, which I commend you for.
0: Thank you appreciate it um okay, so hmm. To wrap up uh, on the suicide nihilism topic, um, to the average person absent of mental disorders, why not commit suicide should be an absurdity in and of itself. The absurdity of the question should therefore be indicative of the falsehood of the philosophy of nihilism. And being that nihilism is absurd, so too is its baby brother, atheism. All of these trains of thought stem from a fundamentally important question, what is the meaning of life so what is the meaning of life is it objective or subjective i've opened the big can of worms that is the last part of our episode i know we've gone on for quite a bit but what do yep. you guys what are your response? what's the meaning of life You've, i know you got it cracked you figured it out already
1: i have absolutely 100 <laughs> percent, within a fraction of a doubt no idea <laughs>
2: Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, and I forgot to say this, but uh, for people wondering what existentialism is, it is a branch from nihilism that kind of, because I just remembered this after talking about it, it branches from nihilism and kind of takes absurdity and kind of, as I said, the weird beauty of nothing technically matters, but it does... Mm -hmm. You know, all that weird stuff. Right. So I guess the kind of the
0: the answer depends on who you ask. Many people will give you answers like to be happy or to live life to the fullest. But again, these are subjective purposes and beg the question, if meaning in life is subjective. You could also say that it's ultimately arbitrary and meaningless in an objective sense. The only meaning in life is the meaning you ascribe to it. That's the textbook definition of subjective. So. What do you guys think if you were to if you were to give an objective meaning of life, a transcendent meaning, which might be hard for David, what would be the meaning of life
1: to learn and grow spiritually? All
0: right, that's a good answer. David, survive,
2: David, do drive, one? And don't be a dick. Right.
0: <laughs> that's David's yeah. creed.
1: What would yours uh, be, Bailey?
0: Um, well, I've got a nice monologue that I'll save for the end of the episode on what mine would be. Um, so to kind of like partly respond to that, the the Christian answer is that the meaning of meaning of life and it is absolutely objective, but it's a lot to unpack to understand the meaning in life. If Christianity were true is to understand what God is doing with the world. On some level, we will never fully understand the answer to this question because we just don't know everything that God is doing. He's God; we're not. But if we look at the overarching narrative of the Bible, we can kind of get us get an idea of His plan. So, do you want me to go ahead and give you my little uh, that uh, summary
1: of the whole Bible? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Quick so, question. Go ahead. Yeah. And this may be a little off but what would is this a on a personal level meaning of life or is this an overarching meaning of life
0: this is my attempt at analyzing so to kind of get back at what i said just a minute ago is we as limited human beings and this this is purely christian conjecture i don't know for sure that this is the christian tm answer but if i were to give a hunch this would what it be would be what it is we can't know what the objective purpose of everything in this life is because god is the one that created it and god is the one that knows all things and from our perspective we're just too limited to know the objective purpose we're going through our lives in a fog we're Figuring out things day by day, who we are, what we're meant to be, what the path we're meant to follow is. So we can't we don't have enough information at our disposal to give a clear, concise, objective meaning in life that that makes sense to everyone. God has that answer, but we're not God. And we won't know that answer in this on this side of Earth, kind of like you said now this this thing that I'm about to go into, this is my perspective of like if we were to take what God is doing throughout the course of history i e the Bible, this is what we can kind of get a little taste of what that meaning is. That's kind of where I was going with it. Okay, do you want me to go ahead and go ahead? Hit it all right, so looking at Genesis, God establishes the cosmos and creates humanity. Adam and Eve defy him. And so they are cast out of the garden throughout the generations, prophets and kings from Moses to David attempt to lead God's people back to the Lord. But they all fail. People have a natural propensity to avoid God and to turn away from him. This is the overarching story of the Old Testament and a fundamental insight into the human condition. God knows what people will God knows that people will never turn back on their own, so in his loving nature, he sends his son into the world, a man named Jesus of Nazareth, who claims the title of Christ the Messiah, who uses the authority of God and implies his identity as God incarnate, is sent into the world. But just as the Old Testament had set up, just like the prophet Isaiah had predicted, God's people reject and hate him, just like their forefathers. Jesus is eventually killed, and the cosmic irony is that the Jews killed their own messiah that they had been waiting so long for. This is the single pivotal moment in history. Through this single pivotal moment in history, everything changes. Some individuals choose to follow this crucified messiah, who appeared to them alive. These appearances radically change their perception of Jesus. Of who Jesus was and who they were. Suddenly, being made in God's image held an entirely new meaning. Because they saw Jesus, they saw God. They saw who they were made after. They saw how they were supposed to live. And so, people began to completely change their lives and even going as far as becoming martyrs for their faith in the truth of Jesus' resurrection. One follower even got a vision of that future and is documented in the book of Revelation one of heaven and earth being united, the just and the unjust being judged, and a utopian future where humanity is finally reconciled with God and ruled among him. That is the objective meaning in life. To live. To join in on God's plan to fundamentally transform the existence as we know it. To quite literally change the world. The question is not, do I have a purpose? Rather, the question is, what role will I play in all of this? You have been given a gift called
2: life. So live it. That is it. The end. Thank you. All
0: right. Well, that that was my concluding monologue to the meaning of life.
1: I think that's a solid. Obviously, there's no way we will know if that's, you know, pinpoint. But I think that is a solid
2: attempt at bringing it. If that makes sense. Gotcha. Cool.
0: Well, sorry if we didn't answer the question, everyone. We don't know the meaning of life, but we got as close as we could. So that is, uh, as we we discussed the problem with giving subjective meaning in life, um, that is essentially, you know, it's arbitrary and, and, and begs the question ultimately, but also we've, noted the fact that coming to the objective purpose of life is that that's a very big uh, question to know what exactly God is doing with this world is a little bit arrogant for anyone to claim to know but we can kind of guess based on what we know what, what little bit limited knowledge we have and uh yeah that's that's it I don't know if you guys any, have any concluding thoughts before we wrap this one up.
1: And when it boils down, I think our attempts at explanation are more so a result of where we are in our life and in this journey, more so than it is even possible to give a
2: concluding answer. Because again, we are just merely imperfect mortals. David, what's the meaning of life, David? Come on. Well, 42. as I already, as already
1: said, survive, drive, don't be a dick. That's a lot of lamer. Eat yeah, babies. but,
0: you know. Wait, have you, have you been driving? You said survive and drive and don't oh, be I a dick. Oh, I meant T-R-I-V-E. Thrive. Oh, thrive. Yeah. Got it. So- sorry about my speech impediment. Sorry. I mean to call you out on that. So basically,
3: <laughs> you put okay.
0: that in, you put you put in thrive so that you can include yourself in that sometimes because you don't drive. Is that right?
1: Working on it, working on it. <laughs> okay. We're practicing when I come back. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Sorry to air your dirty laundry in front of the podcast, <laughs> David, but eh, I don't care. Well, I this don't has think been, you quite... know, life's meaningless. <laughs> You're wrong. David thinks he's a nihilist, but he's not.
0: David flirts with nihilist ideas, but he doesn't accept it completely because he's not a hedonist. That's what we got out of this episode. All right, anyway.
1: (laughs) There is no such thing as true nihilism in modern world. Most of you guys are just edgy. True
0: nihilism is an oxymoron because uh, nihilism isn't true. All right, anyway, I'm done. Uh, (laughs) um, Real quick before we wrap this episode up, if you have questions for us, send them to facingthegatespod at gmail.com. We're going to be doing a Q&A episode before we wrap up the show. Uh, please send them in. Please give us questions. Please do that. And uh, like, comment, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at gates. All of those good things. Share it with your friend. Yeah, we've got like 50 episodes out now, but guess what? They'll be Whoever you share it with will be able to binge through it. And then it'll be done, and and then we'll never have episodes again, and or, then you cry about it, or
1: do a more healthy thing and do like one a week,
0: binging. Stuff yeah, we do is bad cover a lot of really big topics on every episode, so that's also partly why we we ran out of
1: episodes. That's part of it. Listen to us as you drive to work, as you hear mm. your kids screaming in the back, "Mommy, yes. mommy, I want McDonald's." Let her, and let then her Michael's
0: ranting voices. about soothe you. simulation theory <laughs>
1: <laughs> listen to us when you go to bed the kids get yeah, conditioned to go to sleep to him ranting about it 24 7 don't, don't
0: go to sleep listening to this podcast
1: rank us you never five know what stars. you'll wake up to five stars
0: yeah five stars give us five stars if your platform lets you review us um what else anything else before we wrap this one up thank you for listening to the 50th episode of this podcast
2: a it's big 5 Yeah. Anything else?
1: I think that's it, everybody.
2: That's it. Well, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. It surely has. And we'll see Truly. you guys next week. All right. Bye.